Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sydney Brown. Hey, folks, it's me. <laughs> you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Square McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. New episodes come out every Tuesday, every Monday, sorry, every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube. Once again, every Friday and every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch our podcast version of this program at War on Anchor. Once again, at War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. We're available on all podcast platforms. Type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can follow us, uh, uh, our site, WeAreRegalRadio.com. You can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, let's kick this episode off with wrapping up the NFL 2021 draft. Let's focus in on the Chicago Bears. Uh, listening to all the national experts, Lakina, most of the pundits have given the Bears no lower than a B plus. And most of the experts, quote-unquote, observers, mm-hmm. Reporters have given the Bears an A-plus for their drafts uh, selections this uh, last past weekend. We'll go through it with you real quick. Um, in, their, in the first round with the trade with the New York Giants, uh, moving up to number 11, the Bears selected rookie quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State, 6'3", 227 pounds. In the second round, they selected offensive lineman Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. In the fifth round, they selected Larry Borum out of Missouri, another offensive tackle. In the sixth round, they selected Khalil Herbert, running back out of Virginia Tech. Also in the sixth round, Daz Newsom, a wide receiver from North North Carolina, mm-hmm. was selected. <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, uh, well, he didn't play with Trubisky, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, with the last of the three sixth-round picks, they selected Thomas Graham Jr. out of Oregon. He's a defensive back. And with their last pick in the seventh round, they selected Chris Tonga, Defensive tackle out of BYU. Lakina, we talked about it a little bit before the show. Tevin Jenkins, he was the star pick in the second round for the for the Bears. I believe that the Bears would have selected selected this young man if they would have stayed at number 20. He was a first-round ta- talent. The Bears, as we talked about before, even in our last episode with Jason Leisure, the Chicago Bears beat right from the Chicago sometimes. The Bears needed uh, depth on that offensive line. Yes, you get guys back healthy. They were injured last year, but especially now with the, uh, for the news that broke early, uh, late Monday morning that Charles Leno Jr., uh, who we brought up in our last episode, uh, mm-hmm. he's been cut, so the Bears are going to save $9 million there. You need a depth on the offensive line. They're going in a new direction. And uh, it, those are great picks by uh, GM Ryan Pace. Uh, so Tevin Jenkins looks like he's going to be your new left tackle uh, to start the 2021 season. Yeah, that, that, like you said, that's the guy they they were they've been after from the beginning, and the, you know, luckily there was so much depth in that old line position. We talked about it the last couple of podcasts. You know, they were able to get their guy, and look, this is a you know, I think a two three time All Big Twelve. You know, he mm-hmm. protected Chuba Hubbard when he played. You know, those last couple of years at OK State. So this is a guy that 
you know, look, that, that has, look, he actually is a very soft-spoken guy. If you think about it, see how big he is, but he's actually, you know, he's actually, you know, a pretty yeah. soft-spoken good guy, but he, he is tough in that front line, you know, in that O-line. So there's your replacement for Charles Leno Jr., folks, for those, for all you Bears fans out there. So, look, mm-hmm. I mean, look, I mean, as far as the Bears overall, the, the, their drafting overall, look, I'll give them a B plus. I mean, look, they got, look, they got the two guys that they sought after, you know, they got Larry Borum, who's another good old tackle from Missouri, Khalil Herbert, who oh, I was a big fan of his, come that bad tech. He only fumbled three times in his whole four-year career there. And, you know, Daz Newsom, he was one of the, one of those guys and who sort of, you know, became kind of like a very productive in that Mac Brown offense when he took over those last mm-hmm. couple of years he was there. Um, you know, or, you know, Thomas, you know, Graham Jr., I mean, <clears throat> he's – you know, I mean, for Oregon, it really didn't have to. He was probably like the best of that secondary, even though the secondary for Oregon, the defense of Oregon, it actually improved a lot the last couple of years. So that was a nice pickup for them. Also, too, Chris Tonga, you know, from BYU. You know, BYU has always had some you know great defensive guys. We know about their offensive guys, but they always have pretty solid defensive guys. We'll see if you know he makes a team. You know, we'll see you know if he makes a team. I mean, you know, number two fifty usually those those are sort of the guys that you kind of have to wonder okay if they're mm-hmm. gonna, gonna make the main roster we'll just be practice squad guys so those are those last couple of picks were you know pretty solid but I, look i'll give them a b plus i mean they, they, they feel needs you know especially in the o-line they got their quarterback in justin fields now the question is going to be can matt Nagy develop justin fields you got the guy mm-hmm. you wanted you traded up you didn't have to give up too much but again it's all going to be how, if you can coach him up and that's going to be the big key here as i said before in our last episode if you're truly going to have a quarterback competition in training camp when they open up in late July, do you trust head coach Matt Nagy to do that? As I said before in the last episode, no, I'll say here again, no. You saw he couldn't wait to get Nick Foles in there last year. Look what happened. It, it, was, it was a disaster. Every game that Nick Foles played in last year, all except for one, he threw in the interception. Mm-hmm. Now, this going around, like you said, Lakina. GM Ryan Pace has given the, the best players available uh, for Matt Nagy to have running his offense, okay? I still would have liked for them to uh, bolster up their defense in terms of depth, but they didn't have enough picks to do that. I know their last pick, as I mentioned, they spent it on the seventh rounder from BYU. But going back to the offense, I know GM Ryan Pace, he's still on the hot seat, but I think with that pick with Justin Fields, it buys him a little bit more time. Who who's, has the more pressure? That's head coach Matt Nagy. You have the players now. Allen Robinson is back for another year due to the franchise tag. As of right now, Anthony Miller, who was not traded during the draft, he's still here. And so, and you still have Darnell Mooney going into his mm-hmm. second year. The pressure is on Nagy. And there's no more excuses. You don't have Mitch anymore. You can't blame it on him. You can't blame it on anybody else. The tools are there for you to succeed. The pressure is still on this team. So Matt Nagy, uh, that 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 seat is still hot, but this is all on you now. The franchise quarterback is here. When will Justin Fields plays? We'll see. But I, I still have that irky feeling that something mm-hmm. is going to go wrong. But I'm going to hold off on that until tra- we get to training camp. I'll let the Bears fans celebrate for the rest of the offseason, okay? But as I said before in our last episode, put it back in your minds, Bears fans. When the team hits to Hallis Hall and training camp been coming up in July, that pressure should be put on Matt Nagy. Can you evaluate talent if there's a quarterback competition? 
uh, do you trust your head coach? Right now, going off of the past with veterans, I say no. And look, I think you look, I think you probably covered everything I was going to say, Sid, because <laughs> I mean, look, I'm still look, I'm like, I, like I said before, I've been saying the last, you know, all the po podcasts and all the shows that we've done these last few days. I'm look, I'm cautiously optimistic. But again, you know, they're still kind of the Bears are still in the hot seat for me, you know, Pace and Nagy. Look, you got your guy now because we know we all know Trubisky was his guy. He was already there by the time when he got here. And I mm -hmm. think that's probably the big problem. Now you have a guy that you think you can, can develop in your system. That's going to be the key. Look, I would, I'm hoping that maybe they pick up, you know, the Bears can pick up a couple of defensive guys in free agency because that defense, yes, they were very productive, but they're a year older now. And it's going to be just see how Khalil Mack, we'll see if, you know, remember he had the, has a lower back issue. Will that still be a deterrent? Will Hicks still be around? You know, your Fuller is gone. Mm -hmm and everything else. So Robinson Harris is gone too. So again, mm -hmm. where's the production going to come from? So I hear people say that, well, you know, this is a big day for Chicago. Yes, it is. But I, I also have to remind Bears fans, you know, you still got Pace and Nagy there. Yes, you finally mm -hmm. got the players, but can they produce? And that's still going to be a thing. And, you know, as we'll talk about the rest of the draft with the rest of the NFL, especially the NFC North, some of your fellow teams in the NFL have actually got better too. So I would say hold off on, be cautious, optimistic, and be excited. But let's not say you know have Super Bowl you know plans just yet. Because <laughs> you listen to you know some people are like that, Sid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you listen to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Browns. We reviewed the NFL draft and the draft picks uh, from the 2021 Chicago Bears. Uh, before I. Before we move on here, Lakina, I just want to piggyback off your point about uh, head coach Matt Nagy because we all know that offensive coordinator Bill Lacer got um, the majority of the credit uh, during the last month of the season, and rightfully so, even though head coach Matt Nagy told management, according to reports, that he was still heavily involved uh, with the game plan. Okay, now that Andy Dalton is here due to his relation, partially due to his relationship with a Bill Lazor and a $10 million check that's coming. Mm -hmm. My big concern is will Matt Nagy leave Bill Lazor alone? I know there was reports that said that Matt Nagy is still going to be involved somehow with the game plan. From a technical standpoint, I get it because you're the head coach. You got to have final approval. I get it. But will you be hovering over Bill Lazor's shoulder just a little bit too much? I am still worried about that. And if that's the case, that's going to be a problem, no matter who's under center. Yeah, that that's going to be that's going to be the million dollar question. Will Laser have you know complete control, or will Nagy be mm -hmm. back in control? So that's a, yeah, that's another thing that we'll probably have to wait and see once we go to, into you know training camp and mini camp and those type of things. So we'll be to see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to review uh, one of the six round picks, uh, three six round picks for the Chicago Bears, and that's Khalil Herbert, the running back out of Virginia Tech. Lakina, we talked about, about it this offseason and last season as well. The Bears didn't have a backup running back, especially after Tariq Horn suffered a torn ACL against the Atlanta Falcons early last season. The Bears didn't have a backup running back. I know they picked up Damian Williams out of Kansas City, who should have been a Super Bowl MVP a couple of years ago, but that's a whole nother show. But the Bears looks like they have a backup running back uh, as of now. Uh, Herbert, I, I know that he – he can uh, fly, and I, I know that the Bears desperately needed a backup running back spot 
from from a position standpoint, I do like the pick because remember last year, after David Montgomery, who did you have back there? Cordell Patterson, who's, who's now gone. You didn't have any uh, uh, backup running backs. I know Damian Williams was probably going to be used as a uh, kickoff returner as well, but you have a legitimate uh, backup running back on the roster now on the depth chart. Well, and I think, and also the story is fascinating too. You actually, he was born with like two extra fingers and an extra toe. But no, since then those fingers. Until he lost Fonseca. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Well, since then those those you know those extra fingers have been removed. You know, he still has an extra toe. But look, like I, like I said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, he rarely fumbled. He only had, I think, he had three fumbles his entire career at Virginia Tech. So he is speedy. He can, you know, get you some yards. And I think that's what you want. I think that's what was missing last year. You know, Patterson is not a running back. I've said that a hundred times. The seat, the last season, the last couple mm-hmm. years. So now you actually have a true running back that can, you know, be that back end. You know, Cohen, assuming he can stay healthy, and Williams, assuming he can stay healthy. Because remember, you know, injury has been the problem for him the last, you know, yeah. last year. So, you know, having somebody there, you know, who is an actual running back can kind of be that that insurance. You know, I think that's you can never have too many running backs. Yeah, I know some people say you can, but yes, yeah, you know, no, you can't. It's, that's just. <laughs> That's just that. So, yeah, that was a good pickup for the Bears. And I think, like I said, overall, I think what I give the Bears a B plus for their draft. I mm-hmm. think that they look, would I rather they have gotten a couple of extra, you know, defensive guys? Because, like I said, those guys mm-hmm. are getting older and, you know, the ones that are there now. So, but, you know, may, we'll see if they address that in free agency. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how their how their salary cap is because, you know, with Leno being released, now there's some room. To, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was more of a salary cap move than anything. So we'll see where, where, where that goes with him. All right. And you'll be able to sign your rookie class draft picks, including your first couple of picks in the first couple of rounds if you're the Bears. Now moving on to the rest of the league, Lakino, uh, who are who are some of the teams that struck it big in your opinion or who are the teams that struck out and missed? Well, I wouldn't say that some some teams. I mean, some teams I think kind of reached in a couple of dra- couple of picks. You know, I'll get to those in a little bit. But um, Minnesota in your division and then NFC North division, they had a very good draft. You know, they got Darisol, who actually protected Mr. Herbert at Virginia Tech. You know, Christian mm-hmm. Darisol, who I think was all ACC, I believe. They got Kellen Munn, who some folks in Minnesota are already saying that they could he could probably challenge Kirk Cousins. You know, look, you never know. Um, Chas, right. Yeah, Chas Surratt from um, the linebacker from North Carolina. So that was a, a couple of nice pickup there. Also Detroit. I have to say Detroit with their first, you know, first draft. I mean, they did pretty solid. They got, they were able to get Sewell, you know, from Oregon. You know, people thought mm-hmm. that maybe the Bears probably could have gotten him. Um, they got, oh, no, Zachary out of uh, Washington. Levi, I, I can't pronounce his last name. I haven't been able to do that. So, but that was a good pickup for him. You know, I'm sure Coach Campbell would love, you know, he's, you know, hearing his interview, I mean, he was like, he kind of like was literally ready to run through a wall. So, but, you know, I'm sure that the coach staff will, will love him. Um, and I have to also have to say Arizona. Arizona had a really had a really good draft. You know, Zamon Collins from Tulsa, who was even the player of the year mm-hmm. at the American Football Conference. Rondell Moore, who's, you know, 5'7", but can French press 700. Mm-hmm. I know you saw that video, Sid. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He's only 5'7". <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you know, Atlanta. Atlanta probably had the best draft out of, you know, most of the teams. You know, Kyle, they got Kyle Pitts. You know, they got Richie Grant, mm-hmm. who's a safety from you know, UCF. Of course, Pitts from 
um, Florida. They got Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. You know, so Atlanta has solid draft. Yeah, you know. Atlanta has had defensive issues and injuries, uh, especially on that side of the ball, the last two or three years. Yeah, so they definitely, you know, thankfully they they addressed it. Also, to Baltimore, they got Bateman, of course, out of Minnesota. You know, mm-hmm. wasn't very productive last year, but you know, he's you know, one of the top you know wide receivers in the Big Ten. Um, they got away, you know, Adelphi away out of um, Penn State, you know, offensive, you know, linebacker. Mm-hmm. You can never have too many of those, you know, to protect Lamar Jackson. Exactly. More, more of those, the better. Um, and also Buffalo, I think, had a solid draft. You know, Gregory Russo out of Miami, again, one of those guys that wasn't very productive, but, you know, he got you know, one of the top defensive, you know, ends in the league. Some people say they might, they might have reached, you know, they could probably could wait till the second round, but, you know, I think they got their guy also two defensive end, uh, Carlos Basham Jr. Basham Jr. I should say out of Wake Forest. You know, he was another good one. So I would say the Buffalo had a nice draft. Carolina had a good draft. Of course, J.C. Horn. Of course, Joe Horn. So we talked about him uh, on Friday. Also, you know, we Terrence get no Mar- Lakina. <laughs> I know we, we are right. Good grief. You know, Terrence Marshall Jr. <laughs> out of LSU. Also, um, Brady Christensen. Of course, who protected uh, Zach Wilson. You know, from BYU. So they had a good dra- draft. So I would say, I wouldn't say like maybe Houston might be the team that I think you could probably say that maybe you know. Deserved a deserved a bad grade, I would say, because they really, I mean, Houston. I know they've had some issues. You know, they got Davis Mills out of Stanford. You know, Nico Collins out of Michigan, but they really didn't address any needs. So they didn't have a lot of drafts maybe because of various trades they made. So they only had five mm-hmm. picks. But you know, I think Houston probably did the worst out of all the teams. Of course, Green Bay did it. Uh, had a very nice job too. You know, they've had other issues. We'll get to. Yeah, I want to break down their uh, draft in just a second. I, I actually wanted to talk about uh, their draft. Of course, uh, with their first pick, they went uh, with the defensive back Eric Stokes, six one, one ninety four, out of Georgia. I think that's a good pickup for them. I know some people wanted them to. Uh, pick a, a stud wide receiver with their first pick, but I think it's going to help Green Bay defensively because the, remember they were terrible in the secondary last yes. year, especially going down uh, in the late stages of the season. We saw that again, get exposed in the NFC championship game against the Buccaneers, but I want to focus in on their uh, third round pick Amari Rogers out of Clemson. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm not going to say he's going to be a superstar, but Maybe he could be that sneaky playmaker that Aaron Rodgers has been looking for. I know you have stud wide receiver Devontae Adams, but keep your eye on this young fellow right here. I'm not saying he's going to the Pro Bowl or anything like that. I'm not saying it's just because he has the quarterback's last name, but he could be a sneaky pick that people are not paying to, won't, will not pay attention to. But if he's productive, people will start to talk about him. They called him like the cleanup guy over there at Clemson because there was mm-hmm. so much there was so much stuff in that a wide receiving core. He was sort of like mm-hmm. a guy that kind of got lost in the shuffle. He was so very productive, you know, in the last couple of years he was there. So you know that was a nice pickup. And you know, will that be enough to make Roger stay? Who, who knows at this point? Right. All the crazy things that's been happening there. But uh, yeah, I think Green Bay had a really nice draft. Who else did you think had a really good draft? And who else? And who you think probably had like what were they thinking? I want to focus in on the Los Angeles Chargers, or we call them on this show, the San Diego Chargers of Los Angeles. Of course, they picked up offensive tackle with Sean Slater, 6'4", 304, out of Northwestern. He's going to protect the protect uh, the blind side of uh, quarterback Justin Herbert, who's entering his second year. Mm-hmm. With their second round pick, they selected Asante Samuel Jr. out Steel. of Florida State. Steel. Yeah. Uh, this is another time when I'll say, I'm getting old. <laughs> I remember his daddy playing for the Patriots and the Eagles 
back in the day. And of course, uh, with their fourth round pick, they selected Chris Rump, uh, the outside uh, linebacker out of Duke. And George, Josh Palmer, uh, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, they selected him with their third round pick. I was watching television, Lakina, yesterday, and Mel Carpenter Jr. gave up. Uh, the Chargers an A plus. Uh, I would say around A minus B plus, but I, I I think the Chargers did well in this draft. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers, I want to give some love to as mm-hmm. well. They picked up Najee Harris, the stud running back out of Alabama. Of course, uh, Pittsburgh starting running back last year was uh, Benny Snell Jr. He had a couple of good games, but he disappeared. James Conner, yeah. who was there already, they started running back. He's been dealing with injuries, so. Uh, Pittsburgh, in terms of need and depth, uh, I like this first-round pick. Oh, oh Especially yeah. now with Ben Roethlisberger, we assume he's going into his last year yeah. as a Stealer. Yeah, he could. They, he was their their target the whole, the whole time. Harris was, and good mm-hmm. for them for you know getting you know for getting him. Also, Pat for for Booth, you know from uh, from Penn State, you know a solid mm-hmm. tight end. Also, Kendrick Green from Illinois, you know and that's a nice always developing um, those extra O line. Can never have too many of those. Um, I would say you said the Chargers. I would say, hold on, who else I think had a good? Oh, the Rams. I think the Rams had a solid one, had a solid draft, and they got two two Atwell out of um, Louisville. Mm-hmm. Some would say that's gets kind of a bit of a reach, but like I think look, he's sort of like you can never have too many targets for Matt Stafford to throw to. So I think that that's okay. Ernest Jones from South Carolina. You can never have too many defensive. More young mm-hmm. defensive guys. Also, Bobby Brown the third. Not that no relation to that Bobby Brown, folks. Um, Texas A&M. <laughs> that's a defensive tackle there. Um, yeah, I, I I think yeah that was a, I think that's I think the the Rams had a really nice draft too. Were there were there any other teams that you thought that maybe they kind of overreached on some guys or maybe they kind of like you know tr- got someone that you probably thought hmm, maybe not. Was there any like teams for that before we move on? Uh, I want to just give props to the Washington football team real quick. Shout out Julie Donaldson, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with with their first round pick, they selected Jamin Davis, uh, inside linebacker out of Kentucky. If this young man could do something, he can uh, market himself with that name. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. You know, I've always been a fan. Of the name itself, I think, you know, should be at the price of admission. So that that was a nice. And he's actually a pretty good player too. So that's a nice pickup for um, Washington. But- no, go ahead. Uh, I think that the team that struck out the most, uh, and, and I know that uh, with their first round pick, they selected uh, Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Uh, the New York Giants, uh, as I've been saying for the last couple of years, you have Saquon Barkley, who's going to come back healthy uh, this upcoming season. You still got to find out what Daniel Jones is, their quarterback, who, if he's really your guy going forward. I know he dealt with some injuries last year, but. The Giants really don't have that stuff wide receiver. Maybe Mr. Tony would be that person to do that, but I just thought that uh, I don't I don't know. I know you have Darius Slayton, and I know you have um, Evan Ingram as your mm-hmm. tight end, but they still need more playmakers at the wide receiver position. Hopefully, Miss Mr. Tony can get it done for the Giants, but I, I I'm just kind of shaking my head. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand that. I think that they might have reached for. You know, it'll be interesting though to know how how he does with New York Giants and fit in that particular system. So who who knows? Maybe maybe, he, maybe he'll end up being you know a really solid rookie for them. Um, one more mm-hmm. you know shout out right quick. Um, Philadelphia I think had a really solid draft. They got Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes. Also Landon Dickerson, who's an All American lineman. 
also had Alabama, you know, to protect, you know, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, I think Zach, Zach McPherson is a good one out of um, Texas mm-hmm. Tech. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think they had, I think Philly had a really solid draft. I was, like, like I said, I mean, you probably say maybe that Texas might be the only team where you could probably, since they didn't have a lot of mm-hmm. picks, you could probably say that they didn't really improve much. Most of the teams, you could probably say, like, got addressed their needs, you know, got the guys they wanted. New mm-hmm. Orleans, maybe, you know, they got Peyton Turner out of Houston. You know, they, they really, you know, they're, you know, they got Ian Book, so they, there's another quarterback to, for Sean Payton to play with. So mm-hmm. maybe the pizzazz, I don't know. But, again, this is the sort of the crazy thing about the NFL draft. You know, we can always, you know, say our opinions. You know, okay, New England, you could probably say yeah. they had a good draft, too. I was just going to bring up New England. That was my last thing I was going to bring up. Uh, of course, they selected Matt Jones, Mac Jones out of Alabama with their first-round pick, the quarterback. Uh, Christian uh, Barmore, the, their second-round pick, defensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, pay attention to this guy. I think he's going to do some good things. Uh, Bill Belichick, or as we call him on the show, Bill Belichick, he really had to work this offseason because his team didn't make the playoffs. So, of course, we mentioned before, uh, the guys on the defensive end who were injured, they'll be back healthy. And there was a few that opted out of last season due to COVID concerns. They'll be back. So Bill Belichick drafted out of uh, depth and need, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They had one, two, three, four picks uh, in the later rounds uh, addressing the, their needs on defense. Which they definitely needed because those guys mm-hmm. that, that opt out will be back this coming season. They're a year mm-hmm. older and all over 30. So that's – yeah, so I think that's probably I think that's what he probably was thinking in that respect. So, one more team, real quick, Miami. You know, they got Jalen Waddle out of Alabama, who didn't want to be bothered, who, who took the scenic route. <laughs> if you remember <laughs> on Thursday, he said, "Okay, bye." So, you know, but also you know Jalen Phillips, you know the edge rusher from Miami. So I, mm-hmm. I think, look, I, I think they, they addressed some of their needs too. Miami did. So look, overall, it was a great draft. You know, slowly started to get back to normal with the fans and you know that recliner. They, they may have to put that recliner of Roger Dells in the Smithsonian, I think. But you know, <laughs> maybe you know, who knows? I know they'll see like you know, maybe people you know put that recliner of his in the museum. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. That's me as we are transitioning over to talk of uh, Major League Baseball. Let's focus in on our Chicago teams first, Lakina. Let's focus in on the Chicago White Sox. It wasn't a good weekend for them. They took, they lost, excuse me, they lost two out of three to their division rival, Cleveland Indians. Uh, let's review the, the scores from uh, this past weekend. They lost uh, uh, the first game 5-3 to three, thanks to Shane Bieber's uh, stellar performance. He's That's now twice that he's beaten the White Sox this year. Uh, last Saturday's game was the only game that the Sox won 7-3 to three, thanks to Tim Anderson's second career grand, grand slam. And then uh, last Sunday's game, they dropped 5 nothing to Cleveland. Dan Plesak's nephew, Zach Plesak, had a, pitched a great game. Of course, he was the he was the opposing pitcher that lost that was part of the losing on the losing side to Carlos Rodon's uh, no hitter a few weeks ago. Uh, Lucas Giolito, he actually didn't pitch bad in, in Sunday's game, Lakina, but the offense didn't come through for, for the White Sox. A couple of reasons why your man Mercedes was benched because he was late. And number two, Luis Robert, their star outfielder. Injured himself with a right hip flexor uh, running down the first baseline during the first inning of the game on Sunday. He's out indefinitely. We don't know how long. Lakina, I'm going to focus in on the injuries for a second. Now with Robert's injury, 
Of course, Eloy won't be back till later on in the season, probably, let's just say, after the All-Star break, let's just say. Mm-hmm. And Robert is down. Adam Engel, who was injured late in spring training, he cannot get held and get back in the lineup fast enough, okay? I know we talked about the White Sox depth. They have it, but it's now being tested. You're starting to run out of players. I don't want to overreact and panic, but this is things that you have to go through if uh, as a team. And you have to look at GM Rick Hahn. Did he put this team together correctly? And we're about to find out right now. As, as, as the schedule starts to get tougher, we talked about this in our last episode, Lakina. You have two games at Cincinnati, um, which starts tonight. And you have the uh, wrap-up game tomorrow at 1130 in the morning. After that, you go to Kansas City for three. And then you come home to face Minnesota for three. And then you play Kansas City for four. And so, uh, so you have a tough stretch coming up against your division, top two division foes for the season. And so for the White Sox, they're really being tested right now. And I know some people want to question Tony LaRusso's managing style and get on him and, and nitpick everything that he does. But this team needs to stay together, and they need to be more productive offensively we, you saw what happened on Saturday. If it wasn't for Tim Anderson's Grand Slam, they possibly could have lost that game as well. But I noticed something uh, watching the, the game on Sunday. After Luis Roberts' injury, you could tell that those guys were trying to do too much. Just stay within yourself, take what the pitchers give you, and you go on from there. Everything doesn't have to be home run or nothing. If you have that mindset, more times than not, you're going to fail and you're going to lose ball games. What do they think they are, the Cubs? I mean, I, I, I saw a couple those last couple of games with the with the Indians, and I kind of sort of felt like you said. So they 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 should have been swept. But let's let's be honest here. They should have been swept had not you know Tim Anderson had not you know got them off the hook in Saturday's game with that grand slam. I mean, let let's be honest. They, I think the Indians probably would eventually win that game. Also, too, they were you know Indians shut out the Sox. And look, this is sort of like the ice cold, you know, sort of you know things that go up and down through the season. We have a long season, you know, unfortunately uh, everybody is at the, at the wrong time, you know, having a, a cold um, streak here. You got, mm-hmm. you know, a Brady struggled in this, in the series, in the Cleveland series, you know, they're, they're pitching, you know, hasn't really stepped up either. So, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of like one of those things we're kind of getting to the part of the season where you have to figure out, okay, like you said, so this the Sox team really do need they do need to stick together because if they look, they've got a tough schedule coming up, and you, like you just said, Sid, and if they don't like get it together, they're gonna lose grip, you know, to be like competing at the, the AL Central Division, which has you know become very competitive with the stretch of the Tigers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty, it's it's getting you know pretty competitive, and it looks like KC is not gonna not going anywhere. So. I think the White Sox need to kind of get it together and sort of, you know, stay together. Cause I, I, I heard about the Mer- you know, Mercedes was late, you know, that, that came out, I think early, I think you mm-hmm. early this more early Monday morning or like late Sunday, you know, someone, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know who, who said it first, but someone <laughs> brought up that someone who covered the Sox, I forgot who was it, you know, brought up the fact that, you know, that Mercedes was late. So that's why, you know, that's why he didn't start. So but if these are the kind of things that's going to be, you know, these types of issues, you know, and I think there's going to be, because I'm, I'm hearing it from some people like, okay, the loser should be gone already. So I, I, I don't know. I think if they had a better record, maybe it wouldn't be the case, but 
I don't know. Let me address that. Like I always say, you could take, excuse me, you could take things with a grain of salt on social media. Some folks are serious and some folks just there to troll and throw stuff against the wall to see if it sticks. I said this to someone on Sunday. Tony LaRusso, whether you like him or not, he's the perfect manager for this team. Now, going back to Yerman Mercedes, a.k.a. the Yamanator, Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your success. But as the kids would say, you're feeling yourself too much. You think you're above everybody. I'm not trying to paint him out to be a bad guy. That's not what I'm saying here. But, you know, you get uh, full of yourself. You get carried away. And you lose sight of what's good for the team. If you start to become selfish instead of what's good for the team, there's going to be a problem. Like I said, this is what Tony LaRusso is brought here for, to set the tone, set the culture. If you don't follow what I say, you're going to be punished for it because let's just say that didn't happen on Sunday, Lakina, and I heard some fans and uh, saw some tweets that said that even though he's the best hitter on the team, he still should have been, been in there. Who cares if he was late? Uh, he, he's one of their best players. He still should have been there. Hold on. If you don't set the example with the young guys, the other players in that clubhouse will go around and say, if he can get away with it, he's not punished for it. Let me do the same thing or do something worse, and I can get away with it too. So this is still a young team. I know you got veterans there like Jose Abreu, Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and those kinds of guys that's been there in the past, along with Adam Eaton and Lance Lynn. Yes, you have those veterans, but that is still a young team. You need a manager like Tony Lewis to kick him in the butt. I don't care what era you're in, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2021. You need a manager to, uh, to, uh, to get their butts in line and, and get this team where they need to go because a little stuff like this, you let them get away with it, it sounds, starts to pile up. It, it, it breaks teams apart. Like, you know, we've seen it in all sports, okay? You let little stuff like this go and just let the inmates run the asylum, excuse the expression, things are going to fall apart. And like you said, this team needs to stick together. And Antonio LaRusso is the perfect manager for this team. You got to put a, little, a stop to little stuff like this now because if you don't, it's going to be disastrous. And if you're Tony LaRusso, who's um, – whose credentials are as big as the sky. You, you, you can't let people do what they want to do and pat them on the back, you know, overdo it, thinking they, they, they could do what they want. That, that, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Like I said before, I think, I think if the Sox have a, would have a better record, if they were in first place in the Central right now, I think, look, if this had happened, I don't think anybody would have cared. I think – but because, you know, that they're in second place, they're still a game and a half back at the Royals. I think that's why people are, you know, making, you know, doing all these, you know, weird, you know, statements and stuff like that. So I think that's, I think that has more to, the record has more to do with it than anything else. But that that's just me. But, you know, look, this was, you know, not a good weekend for the White Sox. And it only gets tougher for them as you know, we get into the, you know, May, Cincy, KC, you know, mm-hmm. Minnesota, KC again. Minnesota, and then they have New York. So it only gets tougher for the White Sox. So, look, you guys wanted attention, White Sox fans, and you're getting it, but unfortunately you're getting it for the wrong reasons at this point. So just keep this shot the noise and, you know, just play, do what you do, and just hopefully y'all can get it together and stay afloat in the Central. That's all you can do mm-hmm. right now. Yes. Let's go over to the north side. <laughs> the Cubs 
lost two out of three to the Cincinnati Reds. I'm not going to uh, toot my own horn, Lakina, but I saw this coming, as I said before, and I'll say it again. I accept uh, the identity of what this team is. The offense decided to show up <laughs> over the weekend, Lakina, but the starting pitching, as we talked about all season long, outside of Jake Arrieta, is wet the bed. Now decided to join the middle relief as <laughs> wetting the bed. <laughs> if you looked at the losses on Friday and Sunday, it's very evident. And of course, there's bad blood between uh, the those two teams. Of course, Javi Baez gave the turkey bird to one of the Cincinnati players on Saturday. <laughs> I I I've run out of superlatives words. And just, I'm at a loss for, for words for what this, uh, for what I expect from the North Siders. Like, uh, I'm not going to say I have nothing, but I'll let you handle on from here. <laughs> well, I mean, look, they should have won that game on Sunday against the Reds. I mean, if, if, if the, the pitching, you know, the bats actually heated up, but then the pitching stinks. And then, you know, the, Trevor the, Williams the, was terrible. He, he was bad. And, you know, the pitching was, you know, whereas, you know, a few weeks, a couple weeks back, you know, the pitching was good. There was no offense. So I look, I need both the both sides to kind of mesh at the same time. But first, I thought it was the middle of the race. Now it's a starting team. You know, Kyle Hendricks is going to have his, you know, his, you know, start against you know, the Dodgers. Yay. We have to, you know, the Cubs get to play the Dodgers, who are not in a very good mood, by the way. I'm just going to say that. Um, you know, if you saw that Sunday's game against the Brewers, they probably were not <laughs> 16 runs. Come on now, but yep, but uh, but but look, I, I mean, look, Hendricks, you know, you're on thin ice, buddy. I mean, it, it's now it's now May now, it's not April anymore. You now have no mm -hmm. excuse to stink, so you better get it together for this, you know, against that Dodgers lineup. But look, as far look, I'm looking, look, I always look at that division, and always say, look, you, you should you should be a lot closer to what you are. In, in that division at NL Central. No one's run, like I said before, no one's run away with that division. They're not. And look, I still don't think, I think the Brewers are gonna, still going to come down to, or we've seen Pittsburgh do it. You know, since he's up and down, you don't know who you're going to get. You know, the, yes, the cars are run four in a row as of this podcast, as of this recording. But, you know, look, the Cubs needed, look, you need to get your your hands out of your, out of your rears. And, you know, just, you know, this is who they are, unfortunately. So, I have nothing really else to say about the Cubs at this point because I think I, I just don't see them competing. Unless look, unless you get it to get look, the, the fortunate thing is that everyone else in the NL, with the exception of maybe a couple of teams, you know, they're not. No one's running away with anything, mm -hmm. so I think that's the one thing that helps them. But mm -hmm. again, you need to kind of look. You're going to play the Dodgers if you can get at least get just win the series get the Dodgers. You can probably get you'll get back and get into life with confidence wise. But other than that, I mean, I have nothing else to say when it comes to Cubs at this point, because I watched that game on Sunday. I'm like, yeah, that, that pretty much is par for the course for the Cubs this year. <laughs> As I said before, the offense uh, turned it around, but your pitching was terrible. Now on the flip side, Chris Bryant decided to show up. Yay. Jason Hayward to lesser state. Yay. Anthony Rizzo, he showed up. Javi Baez showed up. So those big bats are starting to get going. But as we mentioned before, the starting pitching must improve. Your middle relief must improve as well because those two areas have been a big disappointment this year for the North Siders. <clears throat> Excuse me, for the North Siders. And as you uh, play the Dodgers this week, uh, <clears throat> there's no room for error. And given the fact the way this team has struggled out of the gate, 
you cannot afford too many, too many mulligans if your expectations are to reach the playoffs. Or the Rays compete for the wild card spot. So I, I don't know what else to say at this point. As far as the Cubs are concerned, I'll get back to me on Friday, I guess. <laughs> so what about the what about <laughs> the to lunch? <laughs> exactly. So exactly. So what? Let's talk about the rest of the uh, of the ML, of MLB. What what impressed you so far this weekend? This past weekend? Oh, I watched a lot of baseball this weekend via Macaputa, <laughs> and let's talk about that classic game on Saturday night between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers came back to beat the Dodgers in 11 innings, 6-5. to five. Uh, Dustin May, who's now on the IL, the starting pitcher for the Dodgers, he went out early in the second inning with an arm injury. Uh, it was a classic game back and forth. The Dodgers took the lead. The Brewers came back to tie it. The Dodgers took the lead to get in extra innings. The Brewers came back to tie it and uh, eventually won it. That's one of those games in baseball that uh, as long as there's some steady pace and there's some good action – happening i'll watch it was a joy to watch for almost five hours on saturday night uh as you mentioned the brewers we talked about them before the, we talked about them before the season started uh they were one of those could be one of those sneaky teams well they're the best in the division right now and so in the dodgers they 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 struggled uh in that series losing the first three games as you mentioned they busted out of the gate on sunday last sunday with the the two grand slams in the first and second inning so Hopefully the Dodgers, uh, if you're a Dodgers fan, they could turn around and bring that to Chicago for uh, for a series that starts uh, this week against the North Siders. So uh, that that's what stood out to me. Also, too, uh, the Texas Rangers took two out of three for the Red Sox at Global uh, uh, Life uh, Ballpark. Uh, the Red Sox had that game won on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let it get away. And so uh, the Texas Rangers, I said they were a bad team when the White Sox swept them last mm-hmm. week, but uh, I'm not going to say the Texas Rangers are going to go on them some miracle run here, but uh, they are a scrappy team, so the, they, they should be uh, taken lightly. And also, too, the New York Mets and the Philadelphia Phillies, there was a whole lot of bad blood, controversy, mm-hmm. and things along that line, uh, and along those lines in that series uh, last weekend. I know that uh, the Mets took two out of three. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, that home run that was hit on Sunday Night Baseball, that should have been counted as a home run. It was not after replay. And then, of course, uh, that silly reliever from the Phillies on Friday started to get into it. it, it, it. Uh, yeah, it, if you love drama and foolishness, that was a series for you to watch this weekend. That just just a couple. It, it seemed like a couple like your know, little league teams sort of playing each other. I've seen yeah. little league teams mm-hmm. that probably would have showed a little more decor than those two, but and they play again yeah. in a couple of weeks. So yeah, so you're gonna be seeing more of that, <laughs> I'm sure. But look, I mean, look, the best got you know one two out of three. They're now in first. They're tied for first with the the, the Nationals mm-hmm. as is according in the, in the East. Um, I gotta say the Yankees. I think for me, I, yeah. I, look, I mean, this is sort of what we, you know, we expect. They're back at 500 as of this recording. I think. Look, this is what you want. I mean, the pitching has gotten better. Yes, they, yes, they swept Detroit, but again, look, the the best thing about it is that look, you can, you know, mm-hmm. pick on teams like Detroit to kind of like get yourself back on track. You know, they play the Astros for the early part of this week, so hopefully, maybe if you're a Yankees fan, you know, the pitching's been really solid. The hitting, you know, they've heated up with the hitting, so. Look, I, I think if you're a Yankees fan, you gotta be feeling pretty good at this point. I mean, yeah, 
Like I, I mean, like I said, like you said, with the, the, the Red Sox, the Red Sox lost their series. You, you just alluded to Sid. So, you know, mm-hmm. that division is still up, very much up for grabs. And Toronto, they, they've also won three in a row. I love that Toronto team. You know, Black Guerrero Jr. is doing stuff that his, his dad didn't do. You know, it's just, it's just absurd <laughs> some of his numbers right now, you know, in, in April. It's just, just amazing what he's, what he's done and what the whole team has done. I mean, like I said, the pitching is still a little suspect. I think they need another pitcher to kind of – you know, get themselves over the top, you know, to try to get the top of that AL East. But, you know, the, the Blue Jays look really good um, out West. I mean, there's like a log jam of teams. You know, there's only like a four games, you know, that separates, you know, the, the A's from the Rangers. So we'll see. Look, like I said, we'll give a buck to the end of the month to see how it looks. But the Mariners are still, mm-hmm. you know, still, you know, hanging on. You know, also the Astros, they've been coming up and down. The A's have been have kind of leveled off a bit. So I look, I, I, I think if you're, if you're a baseball fan, you gotta be feeling pretty good with most of these divisions so far. Yeah. Also too, let's give the Washington Nationals credit. Max Scherzer pitched another complete game on Sunday was as part of a three to one win over the Miami Marlins. Now Max Scherzer, uh, uh, has a record of now two, uh, two and two with a 254 ERA. And going back uh, to the Yankees, I did watch some of that game on Sunday. Corey Kluber actually stepped up, stepped up and helped shut out the Detroit Tigers. So as I said before, Lakina, with that Yankees starting staff, outside of Kluber and Gary Cole, who's going to step up in that starting rotation? And look at yeah, so far they they've you know they they've done that too. So like like I said, yes, it's Detroit, but again, look, you have to look if you want to get back, you know, at the top that people expect you to be, you gotta you gotta beat up on the the, the you know the not the teams that are that are you're better than that's just how it is in, in a sport like baseball. The Giants, you know, but they've they're hanging on. Look, like I said, I don't think they're gonna I think they're starting to level off a bit, so I don't think mm-hmm. they're gonna I don't expect them to hang on by the time, you know, by the time the month's over with. I just don't see it. I mean, like you got Longoria and Posey, what he's been doing, but you know, they're both kind of they're both up there in age, so you gotta think that that's all gonna be a matter of time before they level off too. Mm-hmm. So I'm not expecting the Giants to kind of be up there by the end of the month, but we'll see. And the Minnesota Twins, uh, the White Sox rival uh, in the AL Central, I uh, watched some of that series as well. They took two out of three out of uh, from Kansas City. So uh, I know the White Sox have their issues, but uh, and we talked about the Worlds having a surprising start, but do not count out the Twins. Oh, no, not at all. Until further notice, do not count out the Twins. Yeah, I know that. The, I'm not they, saying they're a scary team. I'm not afraid of them or anything like that. But and, until you beat them head to head, I'm just referring as. as from the White Sox perspective, until further notice, don't count out the Twins. You got to beat them head to head many times for the, to for you to uh, boast uh, boast yourself up and say that you're the best team in the division. Right now, you haven't played them yet, but don't count out the Twins. They'd be, just be the first place team in their backyard this weekend. Yep, that's this last past weekend. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely um, confidence wise. I think that'll definitely help mm-hmm. you know, with the Twins because you know, they they're not a not a very good start. Didn't have a very good August, you know, for the Twins. But again, like you said, said they, you know, they beat up a first place team. So I think you never want to, you never want to count out the Twins, you know, especially at this point in the season. So look, they, 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 you know, they beat the Royals two out of three. So that I, I look, they got the Rangers this week, very part of this week. So they could definitely, mm-hmm. you know, you know, gain, gain some ground before their series against the White Sox. Oh yeah. That's, uh, that's going to be huge. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we go to take our timeouts? Uh, let's take a timeout because uh, things are going to get even better in our next segment. We still got to talk about the Chicago Bulls question mark dot, 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 dot. 
<laughs> and we got to talk about the rest of the NBA, the best and worst from this past weekend. I got a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts. Me too. So, you know, we'll also talk, um, we'll also talk some other stuff. You know, a lot of stuff came out also, the Kentucky Derby too, you know, a pretty cool, you know, a pretty cool wild to wild, wire to wire finish there. Um, also some other stuff that, you know, also, you know, some other stuff that kind of came out over the weekend, especially in, in basketball that's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, there's going to be, let's just say there's going to be a whole lot of, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of, got a lot of things to say on the NBA uh, topic, because you know, there's some stuff that came out <laughs> over the weekend that, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll just, we'll just, you know, we'll wait till after our break, so <laughs> you listen to yeah, Second yeah. City Sports along with Sydney Brown, I'm Lakina McGee, we'll see you on the flip side. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. Along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. That's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80. That's S I D K I D eight zero. S I D K I D eight zero. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports. As we premiere our episodes right here on YouTube at War Media every Monday and every Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media, you follow our podcast schedule, our audio version, which premieres every Tuesday and Saturday at War on Anchor. Once again, our audio version premieres every Tuesday and every Saturday at War on Anchor. Let's kiss you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, excuse me, and the iHeartRadio app. We are available on all podcast platforms. Make sure you type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're on the website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Lakina, <laughs> we got to give our one of the few downsides to the job is we got to report everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. As we transition to talk basketball, let's start locally, the Chicago Bulls. As we talked about before we started recording, it's a miracle that, that this team is 10 games under 500 and without their best star, Zach Levine. The Bulls went all for the weekend. They lost to the Milwaukee Bucks at home last Friday, and they lost on the road to the Atlanta Hawks uh, the very next night last Saturday. Lakina, can it get any worse? Maybe this is me overreacting or just waiting for the damn season to get done. Hmm. But you, uh, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which we'll talk about later on in this segment, he didn't even play Friday. And the Bulls, the tryhard Bulls, they still ended up 10 points behind the eight ball. And, of course, the next night in Atlanta, as we talked about before, they're playing much better. Uh, the interim head coach, Nate McMillan. They couldn't muster up anything down there either. You went over for the weekend. M- maybe it's just me being sarcastic and stupid, but hmm. I can't wait for the season to be over. I'm still hopeful, hopeful for the future, but just like the season end, please. Well, yeah, and Zach Levine not being able to play because of COVID safety uh, protocols and such. And look, it looks like there's an update where that he still won't be able to play. You know, at least this week. So you wonder there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's definitely some conspiracy theorists out there that maybe 
maybe the brass told the told Levine, look, just we're not making the playoffs to take the rest of the season off. I I don't know who knows if that's true or not, but again, you know, it seems weird that did he did he have COVID? Did he not have COVID? Was he around somebody that had COVID? Like, it's just it just mm-hmm. you know, there's just so many unanswered questions that I think, you know, look, you don't have to tell about it, but I think you need to kind of like sort of like, you know, be up front and say, okay, this is why we haven't seen Zach lately. You know, yeah, what's it, the update? Yeah, it just doesn't, it just seems a little bit like, you know, counterproductive if you don't do that. Sorry, folks, my, uh, <laughs> my monitor is shaking there, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of at that point, you know, look, Moose didn't play on Friday, Moose didn't play a couple of days before, and I, I'm, I'm kind of at that point where I think maybe she just said him too for the rest of the season. Um, Look, I, look, I think that 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 Bucks game was a lot worse than it was, <laughs> you know, and also too, it's the same way with the Hawks series who the Hawks have been playing better, you know, since Nate McMillan took over. It's, it's just at this point, I mean, you're, you're about two games out of that last spot for that play in. We'll get into it in a minute because some people are not very happy with that play in, <laughs> but, um, Go I figure. Mean, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just crazy at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, just see what you got and who can you keep. You know, I would, I look, I would love to keep Tice and you know Brown Jr. and just, just, just concentrate on who you can look. If if the rest of the teams ahead, the Wizards lose, the the, the Raptors lose, if you know, the Pacers somehow lose out, I mean, look, maybe you might have a chance. But you know, just see what you have, and then look, you can send Laurie packing, you can see, you send Denzel packing, and then just. You know, I'm 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 done talking about the Bulls, so let, let's talk about something else, please. I want the more the rest of the day is a lot more fun. Can we take talk that, please? <laughs> yes, especially from this uh from this past weekend is a whole lot more fun. Yes. Uh, my best and worst from from this past weekend, the Portland Trail Blazers, uh, they defeated the Brooklyn Nets uh, by 20 plus points on uh, last Friday, and of course last Sunday night, uh, they had a big win at Boston against mm-hmm. the Celtics. Speaking of the Celtics, congratulations to Jason Tatum. Yay. He scored a career-high 60 points in that comfort-behind victory over the San Antonio Spurs uh, this past Friday, 143-140. Uh, to 140. The Spurs were up by 32 points, and then, of course, the Celtics stormed all the way back. Of course, that was a letdown, as I mentioned, with the Portland Trail yeah. Places being them the last Sunday. So uh, those was, was the two... Um, uh, perform, uh, two things that stuck out to me from the weekend. Uh, of course, uh, Phoenix, as uh, we talked about in our last episode, they clinched the playoff spot. Uh, they, they still are on track. Uh, they beat the Utah Jazz by 21 on Friday. Which was so, crazy, right? Did you Were you yeah. surprised that the way they beat them? I mean, I know Mitchell still isn't playing for the Jazz right now, but I, I would think yeah, it's sort of. been close. It'll still be a little yeah. bit closer than that. Yeah, sort of, but no, they took care of business there, and of course, uh, they wrapped up the weekend with a uh, with three point win at Oklahoma City. The worst from the weekend, we'll touch on this in more in depth in just a minute. But the, the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James returning, uh, they lost their last two home games uh, on Friday to the lowly Kings, even though they mm-hmm. still have some good young talent. But they lost to the Raptors uh, last Sunday, one twenty one to one fourteen. Of course, LeBron James tweeted that angle again, and. And the Dallas Mavericks, who they're battling for and for their fifth spot in the Western Conference, they dropped a big home game to the Sacramento Kings, 111 to 99. Lakina, last month I said when the Dallas Mavericks lost to the Kings on their home court the first time, I said that's going to come back to bite them if they had to play in this play-in tournament. Looks like it may be the same case again, but the Lakers, they keep stumbling. As you mentioned, LeBron James, he 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 made a comment in his post-game presser following last Sunday's loss to Toronto. 
I don't like these playing games. I wonder why he said that because the Lakers hmm. is that because the Lakers are in danger of that. I, if you had the records like the Clippers, be, right? Clippers or the Suns, would you be saying this? Probably not. You <laughs> can't why, fool your boy. That, that's how. That's why I chuckle when I heard those comments. I'm like, wait a mm-hmm. minute, you've been quiet all this time about the playing games, but now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, since you know the Lakers are sort of like in danger as as this recording, they have the tiebreaker over the Blazers right now. But the mm-hmm. Blazers, you know, have won four in a row again as of this recording, and. The Lakers are kind of like right at that edge of being in that mm-hmm. play-in game. And then Dennis Schroeder's going to be out maybe for a while because of COVID. I, look, you wouldn't be saying this, LeBron. You're not, full, you're not fooling anybody, LeBron. <laughs> like you, all of a sudden, you're saying all this stuff. I mean, look, Mark Cuban said the same thing, but now they're, but they're not. He's been kind of quiet lately about that. So. I was just getting ready to bring that up. I mean – Come on now. I mean, you would be saying this if you're kind of like in that dangerous spot. I mean, look, look, I mean, Dallas was, was there early on in the season, but now they're at five, you know, now you don't hear a peep from Mr. Cuban. So, you know, <laughs> but hey, I mean, look, I think the Lakers are in definite trouble here. I mean, we'll see. I'm sure. Look, I think LeBron tried to do too much in coming back and trying to play like 40 minutes. I think he needs to remember that he's 35 and he can't be doing that. He should ease himself exactly. in. And, you know, some have, you know, said that maybe the AD is not interested or something. And, look, Andre Drummond is doing the most he can do, but, you know, he can only do so much. And, you know, like I said, Schroeder, like I said, Schroeder's going to be out for maybe a week or two because of, you know, protocols. And, you know, Caruso's been kind of up and down. And, you know, yes, Kuzma, Kuzma's been great, but then, you know, mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, Harold needs to kind of step up and be like the sixth man that we all knew he he can be. Markeith Morris, you know, didn't score and hasn't scored mm-hmm. a lot, you know, those last couple of games. So they they need their their supporting guys need to step up because look, LeBron's not gonna be able to do it by himself. And AD, you know, he still kind of you know eases his way in. And you know, Drummond Drummond's been good, but you know, KCP needs to step up and Caruso needs to step up. And look, the look the supporting cats need to step up because you're gonna be hush. Um, yeah, so you're you're gonna be in that you're gonna be in that play if you don't step up these you know, last few weeks of the season. I just wonder if the toll from last season, the lack of time off, and of course along with the injuries, will do this Lakers team in, because I believe if the, if the playoffs will start today, they will face the Clippers in the first round. As you mentioned, Lakeem, they need to get out of the uh, the the seventh spot. So they're in very dangerous territory. I just wonder if it's too late for them to turn it on and turn it off. I think it is too late for the Lakers to turn it on. But if they even make it to the finals this year, it's going to be such an accomplishment uh, dealing with all the injuries and, and the lack of production from the supporting cast. Yeah, that, that's that's going to be the thing, right, Sid? I mean, there's going to be, like, so much. There's still so much to, you know, to sort out right now. You still, we still got, like I said, we still got a couple more weeks left in the season. And I think for me, and, you know, especially, you know, with the Lakers are concerned, could have, could maybe, perhaps, maybe the fact that they didn't have a, a big time off, they only had about maybe about a month off before all this. Month and a half month off, yeah. Yeah, with something like that, you know, between the bubble and the next season, so they didn't really have any rest. Maybe that's starting to catch up with them. I don't know. I'm sure Lakers fans don't want to hear that excuse. But, mm-hmm. I mean, look, 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 we'll see. I mean, maybe they can kick into a gear once they do get into the playoffs. I, I don't know. But, you know, I think you're, if you're a Lakers fan, you should be a little bit worried, you know, especially if you look you know, through the schedule. You got Denver. You got the Clippers. You got, you know, Trailblazers. You got Phoenix. You got the Knicks. 
and you finish up with you know playing Zion and the Pelicans. So that's you know not a very easy schedule for the Lakers, and they could easily get be in that play that play in if they don't get it together. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but let's see if LeBron James misses any games, if any. If he does, they're really uh, going to be in dangerous territory. But as we mentioned before, other guys, including the healthy Anthony Davis, are going to have to step up. Andre Drummond, same thing. Caruso, Kuzma, he had a good game on Sunday. I was watching most of that against Toronto, so he has to keep it up. So everybody is going to have to chip in and not do too much, but it's, it's going to be a, have to be a collective effort. And, that's and it's really going to come down well. to, at the end, who wants it more. Yeah. And I think that's going to be sort of the thing. And I know everybody's got their conspiracy theories, but I think that at this point of the season, you know, you're going to see, like, which which teams kind of want it more. Look, we saw what happened in that, that you know, Utah-Phoenix game you know, a couple of days mm-hmm. ago. I mean, look, yes, yes, Mitchell's still out for Utah, but, you know, 21 points. You got to be impressed with what Phoenix is doing. And but this is their first. This is gonna be their first playoff berth since 2010. So it's been over mm-hmm. a decade since they've been in the playoffs, and they could very well end up being the number one seed in the West. I don't think anybody had that this early in the season. And I think CP3 no. should be getting strong consideration for MVP. Mm-hmm. We said about, that about a month ago. If you think of what the, you know, the the definition of who an MVP is, it's not just about the stats. It's about what someone has done for their team. And I think CP3, I don't want to say single-handedly, but he's definitely given that team confidence to say, look, we can probably, you know, we can hang with the big boys. They've done it. They've, they've beaten some of the big teams in the West. And why, why can't we be one of the favorites, you know, to, to, to represent the West in the NBA Finals? Why not? So I think CP3 should be getting more consideration for MVP, but that's just me. Also, too, Monty Williams should be your front runner for head coach of the year. We said that for the last few weeks on the show. On the show, I'll keep saying that. But as you mentioned with Phoenix, I think they're one more big piece away uh, as far as really becoming a very good team. But as far as this year is concerned, especially if the Lakers get knocked out early, why not? You still have Denver. You still have the Clippers who, who they need to prove something, especially after what happened last year in the bubble. Okay. And then you have Utah. So – if you're a Phoenix fan, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know Phoenix lost to Brooklyn on Sunday. Like, that was a great game. That was a tough game. But Kyrie played like a man possessed, had 34. So, but then that was sort of like a nice little like, litmus test to see, like, you can play with the big boys in the East. Yeah, speaking of Kyrie and the Nets, uh, that was a very good game to watch uh, on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks uh, came out on top 117 to 114. Uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant led Brooklyn with 42. The Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo, say that five times fast, uh, he scored uh, the game-high 49 points. It was a great battle between two superstars. And as I said before with, with Milwaukee, they're a good regular season team, but they have something to prove as well in the playoffs. They're the L.A. Clippers East, in my opinion. You had your chance the last couple of years to at least make the finals. You didn't do it. Now you have tougher competition, not only with Brooklyn, if they can get healthy, but with Philadelphia as well. So it's not going to be easy for, for those guys up north in the cheese state this year. I would just say do it in the playoffs because I saw the yes, mm-hmm. yes, you know, the Bucks beat the, the Sixers handily. I, I, I get it. But, you know, it beat didn't play, Simmons didn't play. So you're basically playing their, their C team, I guess, in, if, you're, if, you're, if you're Philly, that was probably like your, your C team, I think, you know, that the Bucks were playing. So mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, look, it was a nice win for the Bucks, but again, I'm not going to 
say that oh my god you know the, the, the bucks are now going to do a favor in the east no no they look <laughs> they, they weren't the Sixers weren't at full strength so i'm not gonna like freak out and neither should sixers fans Let's give another team some love, and they actually hung in there without their. Uh, some people consider their best player, and that's Rookie of the Year candidate Lamelo Ball. He returned to action last Sunday in a loss to the Miami Heat, one twenty-one to one eleven. Lakina, Charlie, as we talked about before, those they, uh, I had those one of my surprise teams, of course, when when Lamelo went out with a devastating injury. I thought that was it for the Charlotte Hornets. They hung in there together as of this recording. They still two games under 500. They are hanging around the playing tournament. So I won't count them out just yet. LaMelo did look good in his first couple of possessions uh, last Sunday. So I, I will still keep my eye on Charlotte. I'm not saying they're going to do big things, shock the world and win the whole thing, but uh, I will keep my eye on Charlotte. Well, yeah, I think Charlotte, like we've been saying that Charlotte's going to be fits for somebody. So um, I'm, you know, look, I, I think having ball, LaMelo Ball back, I think can only help, you know, Charlotte. So the order they was, you know, especially they want to hang on, you know, they're sort of like right on the cusp mm-hmm. of that, of the, that play in. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see how he looks, you know, and now that, that everything's at full strength, we'll see how they look for the rest of the season. It should be interesting. Yeah. Though. Yeah. What about Miles Bridges too? He's been another big surprise for the Hornets this year. I think he has the top two or three dunks this year. Oh, that 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 young man has been amazing. Yeah, I really like you know he has. A, I, I'm surprised he didn't participate in the dunk contest. I think he should. I think he definitely should participate next year in the dunk yeah. contest. So you know he's had some definitely some high flying dunks. So he's been very entertaining. So I'm I'm looking forward to see if he can keep it up you know, for the for next year too. Yeah, we'll sh- should see right there. Lakina, let's go to the schedule for this upcoming week. Some of the key games that uh, that that you should keep your eyes on as an NBA fan as we head down the last the home stretch the last two weeks of the regular season. Let's start off with tonight's schedule, which is Tuesday. Uh, the Phoenix Suns will travel to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. That's at six o'clock Chicago time. We mentioned the, the Charlotte Hornets. At the same time, they'll travel to Detroit to face the awful Detroit Pistons. Uh, the first game of the TNT Tuesday doubleheader, formerly known as Players Only, at 6.30 p.m. we'll have the, 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 the rematch between the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks as they finish up that two-game series from Fiserv Forum. Yeah, that should be a fun game, and we'll see how many, you know, how many players will actually be playing for the next year. We'll see if your Harden <laughs> takes a day off or Katie takes a day off. And look, I think, I think you're going to be seeing, especially in these next couple of weeks, you're going to see some, some teams probably take, you know, their, their top guys out, maybe give guys a day off so they can be fresh for the playoffs. I'm, look, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying, look, they've got a right to do that. So they're trying to save their stars for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too, not too, you know, we're not going to be too upset about it. Um, Dallas and Miami, you know, that should be a fun one there at 7 o'clock. Yeah, big um, game for both teams. Yeah, definitely for position purposes for both of these teams. Mm-hmm. Luka versus Jimmy, so that should be a fun one. They're also Golden State and New Orleans. Golden State trying to mm-hmm. hang on in a play-in. So New Orleans trying to, you know, get into that play-in. It's going to be tough for them, but that should be a fun one. And wrapping up the TNT doubleheader for Tuesday, which is tonight. Uh, if you listen to us on our audio version, it will be Toronto visiting the Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard versus his former team, who he led to the NBA title in 2019. That's always a fun matchup. We'll see if Kawhi actually plays that game. Um, 
Yeah. Because <laughs> again, you, ne- you never know. Um, on Wednesday, really, not really too many games. Maybe Washington, Milwaukee. Washington's still trying to, you know, you know mm-hmm. hang on to that, you know, last spot in that play in. That should be a fun one at seven o'clock. Um, New York and Denver. I'm surprised that's not getting national love. You know, that that mm-hmm. should be a fun one. We'll see what the Knicks have been doing and the Nuggets. So that should be a good one. And the NBA TV one, you got San Antonio and Utah out west. So that should be that should be a fun game for tomorrow. Uh also another game for tomorrow will be the Phoenix Suns at the Atlanta Hawks. So yeah. people could uh pay attention to that game as well. Should uh, can Atlanta pull out the upset on their home court? Hmm. I'm sure Phoenix is gonna. I'm sure Phoenix is probably. You know they got that East Coast road trip trip going. They lost in that, so they hopefully you know they'll they'll, they'll this is gonna be a second of a back to back because they'll be playing Cleveland tonight. So mm-hmm. we'll see how they look once they get to Atlanta. Should be a fun one though, nonetheless. Yeah, let's move over to Thursday's action. Of course, at six o'clock we'll have the Bulls in the Charlotte Hornets. Big game for both teams. I think it's bigger for Charlotte, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> uh, on TNT at 6.30 p.m., the first game of their doubleheader is the Brooklyn Nets visiting Dallas to take on the Mavericks. That should be a fun one there. Um, Washington and Toronto, we'll, we'll see. You know, this is uh, important for both teams because Toronto's trying to get into that, that, you know, that play-in spot. Also, Washington's <laughs> trying to hang on. This will be a second of a back-to-back for them. Of course, they would have played you know, tonight <laughs> against Milwaukee, so we'll just see how they look. Um, Atlanta versus Indiana. That's always an interesting one there where those, those two teams play. And also, you got the Battle of LA. That's the second half of that TNT doubleheader. You got the, the Lakers and the Clippers. We'll see how they look, the Lakers, because they really need this win desperately. Mm-hmm. And will LeBron James play? We yeah. shall see about that. Now, let's head over to Friday's action. Lakina, as we wrap it up here, as far as some of the key games to watch this week for the NBA, at 6 o'clock Chicago time, we'll have Zion Williamson, the New Orleans Pelicans, traveling to Philadelphia to take on Joel Embiid in the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, Boston and Chicago, I'm sure Boston's going to want their revenge after losing to the Bulls in their last, um, their last meeting a couple of weeks back. That's, mm-hmm. that's going to be the, the first part of the ESPN doubleheader. And that's going to be the first game for the Chicago Bulls hosting fans at 25% capacity at the United Center. Yep, yep. So that should be – we'll just see what the atmosphere will be for that game. I'm sure it's going to be lit for sure. Oh, yeah. As the kids would say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Oh, um, Denver versus Utah. Surprise. That's not being actually televised at 8 o'clock. I'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. by that. Also, the Knicks and the Suns, you know, that's another game that probably should be, should have gotten the nationally televised streamer. But again, I digress. That'll be, that'll be at nine o'clock. <laughs> I'll definitely be watching that game via my computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at nine o'clock, uh, wrapping up the ESPN doubleheader will be the Los Angeles Lakers at the Portland Trail Blazers. Which team can avoid the play-in tournament? Yay, that should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a yeah. That'll be an interesting one there, right? I mean, you never thought yep. that those two will be playing each other to avoid the playing game, but you know, here we are. So mm-hmm. we'll see how we'll see how that goes. That should be an interesting yeah. game. Yeah, so those are the games to watch for for this upcoming week in the National Basketball Association. You're listening to Second City Sports, heading down the home stretch along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown, which is me. Lakina, uh, give us your uh, synopsis of the Kentucky Derby from this past weekend. 
Medina Spirit, if that's a name that's you know pretty good. I think she was a, I think he, she was a 30 to 1 shot, but Medina Spirit was like 147 Kentucky Derby over the weekend. Also Is that our new RB Seeger? Yeah, that, that's, that's that sounds that sounds about if that were right, right? Oh, I mean, that's a bad joke by me. Yeah, bad. but um, <laughs> yeah, that didn't, didn't, didn't land very well, but I'm but, here we? <laughs> Yeah, wire to wire for, for them for him and also Bob back for this. That's his seventh. Kentucky Derby win, so that that's now top. I think that's yeah, I think that's passed for like the most by a trainer. So congrats to him. I know you know, he's definitely a um, you know it's sort of a, a, a interesting figure in horse racing. Some people love him, but some people don't. So he's definitely a um, he's definitely a, a very like interesting figure. You know, the division among horse racing fans. But look, he he's getting the last laugh. Yeah, he's got a seven Kentucky Derby with Medea Spirit. We'll we'll see if he goes for the Triple Crown. Yeah, we'll, we shall see. I'm not the biggest horse racing fan. Uh-huh. I, I you know, yeah, but uh, if you can get a, um, a horse or a jockey that's in position to make history, uh, like uh, those um, Socrates or some other horses from a few years ago, maybe I'll watch. I'm not going to say that I hate it because I'm not going to hate something you don't know that much about. So that will be ignorant for me to say. We don't do that here on the show. So uh, let's see if the next race lives up to the hype. Uh, maybe I'll tune into it. But hmm. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the, the Triple Crown is always fun. And we'll see if, you know, if Medina Sphere can win the, the second half of that, mm -hmm. the Preakness. That'll be in June. So... That'll actually be the couple of weeks in May 15th, so that'll be, you know, mm -hmm. mark your calendar, Sid. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it gets... Yeah, hopefully I won't use that as a nap. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, look, look, I, look, I don't, I don't, look, I don't tune into all, like, the pomp and circumstance, you know, and all. I just, I just watch when the race, oh, the race is coming on in about five minutes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tune into that, I mean, so the, the other stuff, yeah. really, it really, stuff really doesn't interest me, I mean, yeah, Aaron Rodgers was there, so was Tom Brady, but oh, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, you know, whatever, and it was half capacity, I know it, it was half capacity, yeah, I know so. it, yeah, I know NBC pays a whole lot of money to air these things, and I get it. So you have like the four or five hour coverage, like the Super Bowl, but the race is only five minutes. Like, like you said, Lakina, let me see the race, and I'm good. Yeah, yeah, like I, like I said, like I said, look, Bat Baffer, like I said, is a definitely a, a a polarizing figure. You know, look, this is a seven Kentucky Derby, you know, with Medina Spirit. So we'll see if you know he can train another Triple Crown horse. We'll see. We'll see in a couple yep. weeks in the Preakness. Yep. He have anything else before I get to this story from last week, which I uh, we didn't have time for. Well, another thing that come out from Awful Announcing, um, John Allrand, who does great work for Sports Business Journal, just tweeted out about a couple of hours ago that the NFL Network will no longer carry Sunday Night Football after the upcoming season. They'll still have some of the re seven regular season games, mostly made up of the late season, those late season Saturday matchups that we all look forward to. But Amazon's going to completely take over the you know, the, the coverage and um, the media rights to the Thursday Night Football game starting next season, 11-year mm -hmm. contract, $1.2 billion. So if, you know, for those of you who are not fans about that, um, you're probably going to have to find somebody to, you know, who has an Amazon Prime account because, unfortunately, that's the only way you're going to be watching Thursday Night Football for the foreseeable future after, after this coming season. Mm-hmm. Because I know Fox had that five-year deal, so I think this is year four yep. coming up. Yep. So they're bailing out on them early. So, and like like we talked about this before with Lakina, uh, and now you started to see 
of the, the professional leagues, the other three professional leagues with the NHL. You haven't seen so much with the NBA yet, but I won't be surprised if they follow this trend. But you're going to see it with the NHL next year as they go back to ESPN. Of course, Turner will pick up the Turner Sports will pick up the other half of the package for the United yeah. States coverage. But ESPN Plus will have a lot of those games for uh, the viewers here in the States for hockey. Of course, baseball, we know with YouTube, uh, and I watched the game last week between Cleveland and Minnesota. So MLB and YouTube, they actually have done this for the last couple of years now. They're doing it uh, this year. Uh, as far as having the game of the week, you can watch it live on YouTube. So this is starting to become a trend, and it looks like it's not going to stop. It's, if it's successful, you might start seeing it in more games. Now, the NFL is once a week, so I don't know you can get away with putting uh, Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube or, like you say, Amazon. But I think they'll leave those Sunday, as far as the NFL is concerned, I think they'll leave the Sunday afternoon games alone. But I won't be surprised that if you may – I don't know if you want to touch Monday night football, even though sun, the, new, the Sunday night football is the new Monday night football. But uh, give, the NFL is giving it a test run for Thursday night football. We'll see how it goes. I know it's going to air on television in your local markets if your team is playing that week. Outside of that, you have to watch it, like say, via Amazon Prime or somewhere else. I'm not going to mention where on this podcast, yeah. but, you know, people can well, going to have to find uh, an avenue to watch Thursday Night Football. As I mentioned before, Major League Baseball on YouTube has that deal. So uh, as far as baseball is concerned, um, if it, this if the ratings or the interest is pretty good, you, you may see more regular season games on YouTube in the future. And that's going to be the thing, right? I mean, in a couple mm-hmm. of you, how, how many, how many years do you think you give it like a couple of years where maybe we'll probably start seeing? Because I think, I think the TV thing is, all, is still going to be around. I think people, even the core mm-hmm. colors and stuff like that, I think people will still, because, you know, folks who are traditionalists are still going to want to watch games on regular mm-hmm. television or cable television or what have you. I don't think, you're mm-hmm. not, yes. You still need time, that as an option, folks. You got, you got to have that option, folks. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be, yeah. that. that's, you can't just say that, hey, you know, go on YouTube or go on Prime or go on hulu live tv you're not you can't do that because some people yes yeah, some people may have the regular hulu but they don't a lot of them don't have the uh, hulu live sports so mm-hmm. you're gonna have to have that option for folks because some people you know they don't want to stick to what they know and you know watching it on television with their you know their cable or satellite provider is something that i sure people don't want to break that habit they don't like you mentioned like it's all about habits and you got to give get as many options as possible. As I said before, especially now we're in a social media age, we're in a new age period, how we could consume our television shows uh, and our sporting events. There's nothing like live sports. Okay. And as, as uh, I said before, uh, live sports is probably the greatest thing left to watch on television. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what we do in, as a, you know, sports talk show hosts and podcasters. Okay. You still need, terrestrial radio around but the way we grew up and this goes along with television as well Lakina uh, the way we consume our programming uh, uh, one or two options are no longer available you need a range of options people want and need options and this is what's happening right now so people want want and need to be able to choose how to consume their sports programming choices I think that's what you said said yeah Mm-hmm. what people want and i think i think that i think the networks will you know keep you know that that option open because I, I just think that look 
I mean, yes, you're going to you have a lot of cord cutters, but at the same time, though, mm-hmm. you're still not going to be able to get everybody to buy into streaming. You just won't. Mm-hmm. Should be should streaming be an option? Yes, which it is, and it's going to be around for a long time. But should it be the only option? No. And I think that's gonna... especially when it comes to the NFL. You still want those games, especially on Sunday afternoon on broadcast TV. That's where they make the most money. But streaming is an option. Yeah, I think that's what options, folks. I think that's what that's going to be mm-hmm. the thing that people want. People want options. So, all right, Sid. So now that we've got a few minutes left, what we are, what sort of like caught your eye over the weekend? Uh, I meant to get to this story last week, but we ran out of time. So uh, we have a little bit of time left, as you mentioned. I'll, um, uh, I saw this story that popped up, this courtesy of our friends of Awful Announcing. Uh, ESPN has a four-part docu-series about the 1986 New York Mets, Once Upon a Time in Queens. It's coming very soon. It's going to be executive produced by Jimmy Kimmel. Yes, that's Jimmy Kimmel from ABC. And his cousin Sal, uh, they're going to be executive producers for this documentary. ESPN Films announced last July that a 30 for 30 docuseries about the 86 New York Mets World Championship team is is in the works. And more details were released about the series uh, last week. ESPN sent out a tweet on two, last Tuesday that includes the title of the series, which is Once Upon a Time in Queens. While there's no official premiere date, ESPN says in the tweet that the series is, quote-unquote, coming soon. And Variety Sports that one, and Variety reports, rather, that Once Upon a Time in Queens is a four-part series. It made all the sense in the world for ESPN to want more multi-part series about popular sports teams following the remarkable success of The Last Dance uh, last summer about the Chicago Bulls, which we called the Michael Jordan documentary. ESPN tweeted photos that appeared to be interviews or never-before-seen footage from the series of nine members from the 86 Messaging that includes Daryl Strawberry, Keith Hernandez, Dwight Gooden, Bobby Ojeda, uh, the late Gary Carter, Mookie Wilson, Wally Bagman, Lenny Dystra, and Kevin Mitchell. No, I'm just saying that I'm surprised they were able to find footage that they could actually use for ESPN. Because mm-hmm. you could probably, there's definitely one, one 30 for 30 where you could probably put on HBO or Showtime or any of the other premium networks. Because mm-hmm. let's just say that there's definitely some stories you can tell from the 86 Mets team. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm that's just my yeah that, 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 I mean look I'm surprised they actually to find footage because we've seen we've heard stories about some of the players on those Mets teams from the mid 80s and yeah I'm kind of surprised they were able to find anything that could actually be used on ESPN so I'm yeah to see how I'm just gonna see how this will be produced and how this will be pro- directed so I'm looking forward to this one as as usual yeah. Uh, just to finish up here, the 86 Mets won the M- an MLB best 108 games that season, which that gets overlooked, and took down the Boston Red Sox in seven games in the World Series. The best known moment featuring the great Vince Scully, who's retired now on the call for NBC, is, of course, the Mookie Wilson ground ball that went through the legs of Bill Butner to give the Mets a walk-off victory in Game 6. Uh, I'm interested to, to watch it as well, Lakina, especially after the success of the last dance. Uh, uh, the Mets had a bunch of uh, crazy characters on that team. Of course, if you watch the documentary of, of Dwight Gooden and Daryl Sarberry from a few years ago, which I thought was very good, by the way, it focused, in the, focused on those two players. But 
they were the front runners of the, those personalities from from that team in '86. Of course, people forget they were they were the rulers in New York at that time, mm-hmm. as far as baseball concerned. The Yankees were struggling. Of course, yeah. we all know what they did in the next decade and into mm-hmm. the, the 2000s. But that Mets team, they had a bunch of characters. Of course, they were managed by Davey Johnson. So. Uh, I want to see if we find out anything else that we don't know from those things. I know Keith Hernandez, who's a current broadcaster with the Mets on SNY, you know, how many other stories that he can tell, can he tell? <laughs> yeah, I was saying, I, think, I thought he's told Because he was a call stories. from that team. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. I'm sure, yeah, I think he told all the stories. I thought, dude, what more could he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What more could he have told? I mean, yeah, people yeah. forget. I mean, you know, look what's happening now with, you know, the Yankees being the Yankees and the Mets have been up and down. People forget that mm-hmm. during that time and from like, I guess, what, like the mid 80s to probably maybe mm-hmm. like the early 90s, you know, the Yankees weren't very good. People forget that. So, and the Mets were sort of the team, the team in New York, in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, the Metropolitan. So, I, I think people are going to see that, yeah, they, I'm sure it's going to be mentioned in that 30 for 30 that if it wasn't already in some of the other um, bios of that team that, you know, that the, the Mets were the team in New York. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how this is written. And we'll also see that, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of censors, uh, you know, that, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe look, maybe it'll be uncensored because look, like you said, the last dance was uncensored. So, Maybe this will be on center, which is probably a good thing. If you think that's probably the best thing, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) One last question before we close out. Is there, is there any team in your mind that doesn't, that doesn't get the respect in your mind that should have a, a sort of a a multi mini docu-series on? Multi mini docu-series. We know. Well, I mean, we pretty much know about those 90s, you know, Yankees teams. I mean, you know, they weren't really like, they let their kind of, they let their talent do the talking. There wasn't really like guys with a lot Mm -hmm. of, with a lot of flash and a lot of flair. But, you know, I mean, I always feel that I'm going to college for a second. I always feel that those um, mid-2000 Florida teams that went back-to-back national championships, I don't think they get their due. You know, with Noah and Al Horford and... The SEC Network did a documentary about them, which is almost a decade ago now. So they did a little something about that. I forgot what it's called, but yeah, yeah, yeah look I, for it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've watched that, but again, I think, I think, like okay. you know, mainstream wise, you know, nationwide, mm-hmm. though, those teams don't get their doing in college hoops. They probably, I don't think they get their doing college hoops either, to be honest. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, if you, you consider that what you know, where those teams came from and. You know, it, it's sort of, you know, they were they were unranged when they won their first one. They kind of came out, you know, in the way in the championship. Of course, they were number one for most of the season, or at least in the top three from start to finish. So, you know, I just think that those those teams probably don't get their due. You know, that's just that's just me. But, you know, well, so, so, but what about you? I just thought of this team, and I'm, I'm bringing it back to locally here in Chicago. They're 1989 Flying the Line team. Now I wasn't watching college foot, college basketball uh, like that, and not until a couple of years later. But I still remember the names, of course. Uh, of course, now the late Lou Henson, uh, rest in peace. But uh, yeah, Marcus Liberty, Kendall Gill, Nick Anderson, Stephen Bartle, who's a successful broadcaster. They had a very good team. I know that you, if you're old school fans like us and uh, people who are older than us, they remember that team. Of course, they didn't win the national championship, but that was a hell of a team and. And people bring them up, especially uh, uh, they brought them up this year. We thought that this current Illinois team was going to do what the 19 didn't do, win the title, but that didn't happen. But 
they really they you really don't get the inside stuff excuse the expression popular tv show from the 90s but you really don't get the inside stories of how that team was put together how were the, those players were recruited there, there was some very good teams and very good players around illinois during that time the big 10 never actually i'm surprised did. that nbc sports chicago or uh, uh watch stadium here in chicago hasn't produced any documentary uh, films about that team the big 10 network did one a couple years back to celebrate the 30-year anniversary um Big I Ten hope it's story. on YouTube. I think so. I think it is like the Big Ten story or Big Ten network, you know, story. I okay. forgot the name of the uh, the doc, but yeah, they they kind of went, you know, they didn't go too much in depth, but you know, I think they had they had interviews with um, Stephen Bardo and Nick Anderson and Dion Tom. They even had you know Dion Thomas um, and also Lou Henson before, I mean, of course, before this was, this was a couple of years ago before mm-hmm. he passed, you know, earlier. Um, last year and look I think though those teams I feel like nationally don't get their due of course you know with what happened this year people thought that this was going to be the Illini team mm-hmm. that would you know would be right there but they you know unfortunately that didn't happen so mm-hmm. but yeah I think yeah I think for me though those I think yeah for me I think though for me them I think also those Florida teams like I mentioned with Noah and mm-hmm. Horford and Corey Brewer and also um, who else I think that probably doesn't really get their due I'll but, say locally um DePaul Especially during that time period. Of course, we talked about some of the trouble that a couple of the players got into afterwards. But the, I really want to uh, know more, much more about that team around that time because they should have at least two national championships oh, when they mean, were oh, independent. Oh, oh, you mean those late seventies, early eighties mm-hmm. all teams with like you know? Yeah, Mark McGuire, uh, Tracy Dildy, uh, Terry yes, Cummings, Terry yeah. Cummings, and those guys. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. Dallas Comedies and those guys. Yeah. Yes. You could probably you could, look. You could probably do that the whole a whole decade, right, from like the late seventies to like all it's like late eighties mm-hmm. when Joey Meyer took over, and they were actually still going to the tournament more a lot consistently. And look, you could yep. probably say those 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 teams with you know Quentin Richardson. And um, Stephen Hunter and those guys, you know, in the late nineties and early two thousands. Kenny, who couldn't coach, but <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's about. Especially like you know, as we got into the tournament, but that's another, that's another story for the right. podcast. But yeah, look, I, I I agree. I think that that's what I'm, I'm trying to think nationally. Well, before we go out, who who is it that? Yeah, I think yeah, I mean the the, the, the new teams from the early nineties, you know, they get their due. Mm-hmm. Um. That Christian uh, Lehner documentary for 30 for 30 a couple of years ago took care really of that. Good. That was really good, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Well, we found out a lot of stuff about about him and those teams, you know, that they didn't mm-hmm. – <laughs> check it out on YouTube, folks. Oh, I'm sure it's on, on demand somewhere for the 30 for 30. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think, who in college football? I'm trying to think. Um, maybe those Nebraska teams of the 90s, maybe, or maybe um, – the Oklahoma teams from the '80s, maybe, or Miami. Oh well, they did. Well, they did the U. They did two versions of the U. So you got U. Yeah. Miami. So they took care of that. They took yeah. care of that. Um, may, maybe down the line they'll do an Alabama with Alabama or Clemson for you know if we want to you want to go current. I'm sure they'll do some of that mm-hmm. at some point. Um, hmm, trying to think who else. Um, maybe those SC, you know, UCLA, USC teams from the '70s and '80s. Maybe I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think like, at the top of my head, like who, you know, you know, they they've done one with the you know, the UCLA teams from the '70s with Lou Alcindor and um, mm-hmm. Bill Walton. They've done those um, with John Wooden. They've done those. Um, I can't really, I can't really think of any at the top of my head because you think that some teams, but then that they've done some of those already in some various forms. So yeah, yeah. 
if you okay well if, get, if you want to you want to check out some like on the women's side i'm sure they'll do i'm sure they'll do one about yukon and baylor and mm-hmm. you know t- they've done some in tennessee they did a bio on you know god rest her soul late the late great pat summit so pat they, they, summit, yeah. they took care of that um Oh, you know what? If you guys haven't had a chance, check it out. The um, I forgot the name of it, but the USC the USC girls with um with Cheryl Miller and Cynthia Cooper and Gwen McGee. I forgot the. I name know of you're them. talking about the HBO did that about the a year HBO or two ago. Yeah. It's called Trojan. 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 Uh, yeah. I forgot. But yeah, so if yeah. you guys want to check that out, you know those early mid '80s USC teams. Those were really good teams. Um, and also, you'll you'll find out why Cheryl Miller unfortunately didn't become the pro that a lot of people thought she would be. You know that. You know, there was some, mm-hmm. you know, things that went on there. But, you know, check that out, too. Also, the, you know, Kim Mulkey. Oh, the, those, Louisiana tech, the Louisiana tech teams with Kim Mulkey. I mean, you could probably say that maybe, you know, do that. You know, now she's back in LSU. You know, she's back mm-hmm. in her home state. So, oh, there, there's just so many. <laughs> there's just so many, Sid, on all, all, all spectrums. But, yeah, I mean. That 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 Mets one should be very interesting, though. I'm I'm surprised that like, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be uncensored. It ha- it'll have to be because if you want to have the <laughs> you know, if you want the full experience, it's going to have to be uncensored because that's the only reason. Yeah. That's the only way folks will appreciate will appreciate them. I think. <laughs> yeah. On that note, closes out. <laughs> on that note, though, that's a nice way to uh, nice way to finish that up. <laughs> you follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports. Uh, new episodes go up right here on YouTube first every Monday and Friday at War Media. Once again, every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube, once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can follow our podcast, Second City Sports, on War on Anchor. That's our schedules for the audio versions every Tuesday and Saturday. Once again, every Tuesday and Saturday for the podcast version or War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the iHeartRadio app. We're available on podcast platforms. Just type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. Go to our website, WeAreRegalRadio.com for more information. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes. And don't and don't forget to follow you know, the rest of all the other shows you know, in the scope with Jack mm-hmm. Hit with Josh Hicks, I should say. Also too, you know, Kyle Means, you know, our our content editor, all the shows he does. You know, there's some great shows, so make sure you guys check them out mm-hmm. on there as well. Yes. For Lakina, I am Sid. You've been listening to Second City Sports, and we'll see you on the next episode for the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Till next time, holla. Ha, 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 ha.